What's going on, guys? And welcome to Convos with God, where I talk with spiritual leaders about how to connect with God on the most intimate level to break strongholds over your life and live out your best life. Faith is something we can't see, we can't hear, and we can't feel. But without it, it seems as if though we have nothing. I'm on a journey to have conversations with the most spiritually sound people in the world to understand how to become your highest self. On this episode, I have a returning guest, Samuel Chase. Samuel wanted to come back on the show and read through a scripture he felt called to share. He does such a good job on giving us a visual representation of the scripture while also showing us the life lessons within it. Such a fun episode and one I really hope you'll enjoy. So without further ado, Mr. Samuel Chase, giving us an in-depth look at John chapter 11. Um, I gotta be honest, I'm actually slightly nervous right now, but that's okay because I know that um, it's not the idea, the idea about how nervous I am, it's about how much faith I have, in spite of my nervousness. Um, I ask, Lord, that uh, you would give me the words to speak. I lo- thank you, Lord, for Austin. Uh, thank you, Lord, for his life um, and his passion to have people grow closer to you so that way then people's lives may be transformed. And thank you, Lord, for his life, that his life is being transformed, even this moment, even as he's living out his giftings and his anointings that you have placed over his life. So, Lord, I ask, Lord, that we would both do that. May we both be in the moment. Help us to even know why we should be prepared. Help us to never get in the way of your plan. So help us to trust you with the process. Help us to trust you with the process. And help us, Lord, when we, even when we feel anxious, I pray, Lord, that we would actually be peaceful in spite of it. And I say these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. That's good. All right. Welcome to Convos with God. We have a special guest on today. It's actually not his first time on. Um, but he came back and he has a message to share. And uh, I think it's a great one. So I'm looking forward to uh, hearing the message. And, and if we can converse about it, let's do it. But I'm going to go ahead and give it to Mr. Samuel Chase from here on out. Well, awesome. Thank you uh, for having me once again. Um, like, for those of you that know Austin, you know that he's uh, becoming a really good friend of mine. Um, he's an awesome man of God, so I highly respect him and his life and what he's doing. Um, I know that God has great plans for you. Thanks, so, man. Honestly, I, I really appreciate that. I just want to say that. So, guess one thing to say something good privately is another thing to say it publicly. So, I want to give mm. you that. So, anyway, so today, I want to primarily focus on John chapter 11. Uh, and if anyone who knows me really well is that I actually usually prefer topical messages as opposed to expository messages. And what that means is, is that topical messages usually involve, you know, talking about this, like about faith or about marriage or something. And expository usually break it down things verse by verse. However, though, in John chapter 11, which involves Mary and Martha and Lazarus, you actually can kind of see where it's going to be expository as far as how I'm presenting it, but it's actually going to be a topical message about what you're going through. So kind of like 1 Corinthians 13, which is commonly referred to as a love chapter in our Bible, I can just break that down verse by verse, and I'm still always talking about love in that chapter. So, But in John chapter 11, you see how we all have a Lazarus. And it doesn't necessarily mean it's a physical death. It could also be... An emotional death it could be a relational death we've all had or have a Lazarus in our lives that we're trying to overcome so the name Lazarus means uh, give me one moment it means that the one who God helps hmm. and oftentimes though we struggle with the idea of Lazarus because if we have a Lazarus in our lives that means it's outside of our control to be able to handle it 
whether it was something that we did or something that was done to us, oftentimes, though, when we lose control, we start to doubt the goodness of God in our lives. So, but the thing is, though, the sense, though, of being able to have a miracle in a way, like in the shape of Lazarus, means there has to be a mess. But always in a mess, there's always a message. There's always something out. I heard it said like this before is that, you know, with every trial, there's a triumph. With every mess, there's a message. And with every test, there is a testimony, Hmm. if I allow it to be that way. But it's the idea I have to shift my focus in the right direction for me to actually be able to see it. Because we always want to teach in our culture that I'll believe it when I see it. But the essence of faith, how you actually talk about in your podcast, is that, you know, actually, though, it's when I believe it, then I may see it. It's like knowing that there's something down deep in my soul that I cannot contain, that I cannot control, that, you know, there's something that I'm longing for. Like, we all desire to have a purpose in our lives, but yet we're always trying to find that purpose in other things. And yet, even when we do it, a lot of times we don't find satisfaction in that because it's like the one who planted it in us for all eternity, as um, Ecclesiastes says with King Solomon, he says, hey, look, God has planted eternity in the human heart. Um, But it's the idea make sure live a life that's worth it make it count for something like don't just simply live solely just to like you know for yourself like live it up it's like or that or the opposite direction let it down or mm-hmm. something just be pessimistic he's like saying hey live for something greater than yourself so anyway so without further ado john chapter 11 uh, starting in verse 1 so now a certain man was ill lazarus of bethany the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. And you gotta love it how often like they preface it with that. Like say, hey, we just really want you to know, Jesus, that this isn't just any person off the street. <laughs> like, I just wanna let you know. You love this dude. You love this joker. Uh-huh. So I just want to let you know in case you know you have any Uber issues, you know, or you have any, like, like dizzy passes or something, you know, go stars. Like, we need you here. Like, right now, it's like, I'm, I'm not simply asking you. I'm saying you need to come. Like, I need you right now. He's saying, so I'm letting you know how important it not only is to me, but as you have said, is important to you. Mm. So, and all of a sudden... As you go on, it says, But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. And it's like, well, hallelujah. I'm glad, Jesus, you feel that way about sickness and everything. It's like, I got a better idea. How about if we actually keep him this healthy and glorified through that? Let's keep reading. So now it says, Jesus loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus. So, when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. And it's interesting how you look at the grammar of it. He said because he loved him, so that's why he stayed behind. And you gotta remember, they actually sent word. It wasn't like, you know, we can use our iPhone or something and just send a text or something. It's like, hey, yo, JC. Where you at? (laughs) I hope, where, where you at? I hope things are going well for you. Like... They were actually having to directly send a person down to go get him, assuming he's going to come back. But can you imagine the disappointment to all of a sudden have someone come back to you without Jesus? And all of a sudden, like, essentially, like, they left you 
They left so he decided red. not to come. He decided not to come. So, and that's the part that's really interesting because all of a sudden now you seem to see a contradiction of Guy's own character of who he claims to be. Because he says, hey, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And now here at this moment, Jesus is saying, I will not come. Like, you would already be sad, Austin, like for like you, me, or anyone else, if like Jesus said, I'm unable to come. Because if you just simply say, I'm unable to come, I couldn't come. It's closure. That would be, I, I mean, I would actually say, you know, you at least feel, okay, Jesus actually cares. That dog is this busy right now. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. He's got other people in line. He's got yeah, a long yeah. line of people waiting for him. You know, he's got people like blind. Just, he's got he people who are laying. Yeah, he goes to them, exactly. But instead, he says he wouldn't come. Hmm. So he left him on red. He left him hanging. And then, all of a sudden, as we keep going, it says... Give me a moment, get, get the right verse together. So, he says, now, um, then after all this has happened, he said to his disciples, let's go to Judea again. And the disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. And are you going there again? And isn't it interesting how we always tend to question what Jesus is like planning on doing because mm-hmm. Jesus had told him I'm going to have to die for the sins of many people so that way then you may truly live but it's going to require a death first I'm going to pay the price to set you free but yeah they could not even when they were around Jesus they could not seem to grasp the concept that Jesus would have an appointed time not necessarily a time that he would want to die but that he was not going to die until it was time for him to die. So that way then we could therefore live. But they're just like thinking of the human reasoning. It's like, oh, it's like, well, we shouldn't do this right now. Like, you know, you could die. And it's like, Jesus is like, I'm good, y'all. I'm like, I got this. So he's like, let me answer you. And he says, Jesus is such a boss. He says, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in a day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in, in the night... He stumbles because the light is not in him. And you're just kind of, you would just be thinking, okay, so does that mean we're staying or does that mean we're going? And then after saying these things, he said to him, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going to go to wake him up. And the disciples assumed he was saying that he was simply asleep. So they were saying, Lord, if he is asleep, he will recover. So... I got a great idea, Jesus. How about if we just leave him be? Because obviously, I'm not a spirit. We don't even have to go. We don't even have to go right now. So, Jesus, we're good. (laughs) You know, you don't get stoned. Lazarus can sleep. We can sleep too. So let's go ahead and enjoy our bread and our wine, you know, and have like bread together and everything. And we're good to go. And also it says, the Lord had had to tell them plainly, Lazarus has died. And it's like, oh. Okay, so I uh, clearly misunderstood you, Jesus, sorry. So, and he says, and for your sake, I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe. Isn't it kind of interesting? Like, initially you're thinking this is just about, like, Mary and Martha and Lazarus, but really a lot of times the, the blessing 
that God will eventually give you is not only for you, it's actually so you can also bless and help others. That God will use any season in your life, the things that you did not ask for, the things that were outside of your control, or even the things that you did that you really messed up on, that you were just like, wow, that was stupid. I wish I could go back on that. God could even use that because God is the one that speaks into people's hearts. He knows past their actions. He looks into the depths of one's hearts and to their motives. And he says, hey, look, he's like, I can use all of this. Like, it does not matter how small or insignificant it seems. I can use this and I'm going to show it to you. So, well, I'm going to, like, you're, as you're going to like see a little later is that all of a sudden where you see Martha all of a sudden questioning Jesus, all of a sudden she says, but even now... I know that you can do this. And so that would actually be my future sermon series or sermon title is that would be called Even Now. Huh. Like, what is your even now All right, so let me get this straight. Lazarus? Yes. Was ill. Yes. They invited Jesus to come heal him. Yes. Jesus said, would not come. Would not come. For two days. Yes. And then Lazarus died. Yes. Okay. And that's where we're at right now. Yep, that is where we're at right now. All right. Yeah. So all of a sudden, but now he's saying, okay, let's go ahead and go now to go see Lazarus. So, but at this point, though, now Jesus okay. obviously knows that he's the son of God. He's saying, well, he's already now died. But so that's why now let's go see him because he doesn't want to happen in the natural of thinking people can take credit for themselves and say, oh, well, maybe he was just like, you know, he was going to get better on his own naturally. He's saying, no, I'm going to let the supernatural invade the natural. Wait and see. I'm going to bring a heartbeat back. I'm going to bring a heartbeat. Yes. I like that. A heartbeat. That could be a sermon title yeah. too. Yes. A heartbeat. So anyways, now here's what's very interesting. All of a sudden it says, after he had told him plainly Lazarus has died, all of a sudden Thomas called the twin, who by the way, it's interesting to note is that this is this coming shortly before Jesus actually got put on the cross. So there's like a very little separation between the resurrection of Lazarus and the resurrection of Jesus himself. Mm. So all of a sudden, now you see Thomas, all of a sudden, out of all the ones that could have been mentioned, he's the one that had the audacity to say, let us also go that we may die with him. You're just like, Thomas, you're just like, I really admire your enthusiasm. I really do. But I got a little bit of a better idea. How about we don't die and we simply live and watch this. But isn't it interesting now? We always refer to Thomas as doubting Thomas. But yet you literally see right before here that all of a sudden he's the one that's encouraging, <laughs> literally encouraging him, let's go ahead and die. So that way then we can see this resurrection too in a great unique format here. And then, huh. so this is where now I actually want to skip down to um, a couple chapters, a few chapters later, because... I actually want to focus on Thomas because this is something that a lot of us just really overlook is that now in John chapter 20 uh, verses 24 to 29 um, and I'm reading out the English Standard Version of the Bible uh, for those that are wondering it says now Thomas one of the twelve called the twin so one we called Downey Thomas was not with them when Jesus came so, and keep in mind, this is after Jesus had got resurrected from the dead, and Thomas has yet to actually physically see it with his own eyes. So now it says, the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord, but he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails 
and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. And also you're just like, what in the world happened to you? It's just like, there's also this big separation saying, I'm okay, let's die. Let's all do it together. You know, it's like misery loves company. Let's do this. And all of a sudden, like, let's all experience this as brothers in Christ. And also he's saying, I will never believe. And also you're just thinking, what happened? It's like, there's just, there's just obviously just this really big gap that all of a sudden has taken place with a such short period of time. So now, but I'm going to get back to that in just a moment. Let me finish reading this. Is that you see in verse 26, it says, eight days later, his disciples were inside again, but this time Thomas was with them. And although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, it's like, peace be with you. <laughs> it's like, then he said to Thomas, knowing what Thomas asked for, he said, put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. Mm-hmm. Do not disbelieve any longer, but believe. And then all of a sudden, you know, and a lot of people are like overlooked this. I love the parallelism, though, is that on a very, very, very indirect note, it's almost like him going back to saying, this is what it was like for Adam with Eve. Things were good, but Adam was missing someone. Uh, This dude was lonely. He was saying... He ain't gonna make it without someone. He needs someone to help give him life and vitality in his life. So he's life like life and vitality. Life and vitality, yes. Okay. And also, so he's like, I'm gonna take Adam a rib from you to create life in Eve, so that way then you may experience a more fuller life. So basically, it's almost like as if Jesus is saying to Thomas, just like how Adam said, like where I said about Adam, you ain't gonna make it without Eve. Thomas, you can't make it without me hmm. so touch my rib so that way then you may experience life so thomas pretty much said prove yourself he did and yeah. the thing is that we tend to overlook that is that we tend to make faith um i guess on a side note to this is that we always make a faith about simply about believing before you're seeing which is the way it's supposed to be however though this is actually when you look at the new testament where he says that about having a mustard seed of faith the mustard seed of faith involves you being able to see it before you believe it. That's the lowest form you could go. Because you got to remember, mustard seed is so extremely small. Like, I mean, it's like, as far as tiny goes, you can't get much tinier yeah. than a mustard seed. Here's how I know this is a mustard seed. So, let's keep reading. After he said, do not disbelieve any longer, but believe, Thomas answered him and said, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. But now isn't it nice to know that Jesus will meet you right where you're at? Mm. No matter, like he said, hey, look, I like how he almost is like, so it just seemed to happen. Thomas was inside his building. The doors are locked. Jesus like, I don't need to worry about any doors. I can break those doors down if I need to. Guess what? I'm Jesus. I'm good at this kind of stuff. <laughs> so... But all of a sudden is that, you know, Jesus made it visual, he made it tangible, and he made it personal for him. So is that a lesson knew, if you're struggling with your, with your faith, or can you, can you say, prove it to me? You know, 
I think like how I said earlier, you know, Jesus knows the motives of your heart. Oh, that's good. But the thing is, is that you need to be able to actually be seeking him. Because that's why he says, seek me and you'll find me. And then seek me with all your heart. Then you'll find me. Yeah, that's but good. But in this case, though, Thomas now, obviously it doesn't seem like though he's seeking. It seems like he's saying, Jesus, you come to me then. Prove mm-hmm. it. Yeah. But I think God obviously knows the heart of sometimes your disappointment. Because a lot of times your disappointment will make you almost like rebellious to the idea of God because you're just overwhelmed and overcome with this so much anxiety, so much pressure. You lose your, your perspective. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's a good way of saying it. So, so yeah, like uh, along with that, the mustard seed of faith, it also takes you watering the mustard seed. Yes, right? exactly. Yes. So, and that's why though, let's see now. Okay, now let me get back to my initial verse I had. I'm getting off my, my Samsung Galaxy S8. So, anyways. Um... Okay. And this episode is sponsored by Samsung Galaxy S8. <laughs> yes. And we'll get back to you after this short message. I'm getting paid uh, sponsorship for this. So this is pretty good. So, okay. I got my tracing back now. So, we're good. Okay. So, now we're back in uh, John chapter 11, verse 17. It says, so, after Thomas bluntly said, let's also go that we may die with him. So, he says, now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. So obviously by this point, it's like, well, this dude is definitely dead. So obviously nothing we could do about this. But now, let's see, is that so when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Now, this is even in that verse. There is so much in that verse that we just so overlook. First off, remember, this is the same Martha who had Jesus over at her house and also had Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus is listening to him while Mar- Martha was cooking. And also Martha's like, don't you care that she's not helping me? Now, I know for some of you, you, like, you guys will be solely and totally in relation to Martha. I totally more so relate with Mary. I'd be the Mary person. I'd be like, man, forget cooking. I'm like, I'm going like, to sit chilling. down. I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to sit down <laughs> Mary's feet. Now, how though, it is interesting to note, though, Martha was the one that invited Jesus over to her house. It was not Mary. So, that's just like a little bit of a side note there to that. But isn't it interesting that you see Martha's personality come out all the same? Martha is like... She, you know, she came to Jesus when she was frustrated, and she's coming to him again. It's like, she's like, don't you care? Like, all of a sudden, though, it says, but Mary remained seated in the house. Isn't it interesting how we can both be going through the exact same situation at the same time, but yet we all deal with our disappointment differently mm-hmm. like a lot of times we tend to always like want to say you know it's like oh i totally get you man it's like it's like sometimes i'm like i'm not saying it's never okay to say that but sometimes i feel like some people are a little too eager sometimes to yeah, say like, that i feel you bro i feel, I feel you. i feel you so much i'm like do you though yeah. like do you actually feel me because even like i mean for those like what i'm about to say on like psychology or whatever like i know for some of you this is music to your ears and others of you you're just like oh so bear with me for a brief moment is that like in the Myers-Briggs personality type, I am an ENFJ. So it stands for extroverted, um, intuitive, feeler, and uh, the judging aspect. That is my personality trait. However, though, like Austin, let's say hypothetically, I don't know what your personality type is. I feel like obviously you and I are very similar with each other in this regard. But even if you and I had the exact same personality type, that's even because of the difference of percentages 
of extroverted versus introvertedness, this even on that one node, we still may deal with things still incredibly differently. It's a spectrum. Yeah. Like if you're at 51% extroverted and I'm like at, you know, hypothetically speaking, 99% extroverted, we're, we're going to be dealing with it differently. Different. Yeah. yeah. Like you'll be finding energy by being around people, but you may actually find sometimes energy by being alone. And so we all deal with things differently. And a lot of times we just sometimes almost like, whether out of our pride or out of like, you know, just ignorance or whatever, would just simply say, why can't you do with it the way I did? Mm. Like, and all of a sudden, like we sometimes speak things almost like Job's friends did. It's like, oh, well, there must be something you've done wrong in your life. So let's just get over it. And also it's just mm. like, it's like, guys, like this is not like, let's look past the surface level here. Like a lot of times there's way more below than what seems to be going on on the surface level. Yeah. So, and actually really quick before I forget, um, back to Thomas, it's interesting to note how, you know, we tend to put faith at like, you just have like a certain level of faith. Like you're at 50% faith, you're at 70% faith. But here's what I find interesting is that I actually don't agree with that. I actually find faith very interesting and unique. And it's just a very fascinating thing in its own way. Because if you think about it, Thomas had just shortly beforehand said, Let's all go die with them. And then all of a sudden it says, I will not believe until I see it. But here's what I find interesting. Is that he was, Thomas was able to have faith to believe that Jesus could raise him and everyone else from the dead. But yet he had the inability to believe that God could raise Christ from the dead. So we all actually have different categories of faith in how we deal with certain things. Do you think so sometimes, why. yeah, sometimes your faith is higher and sometimes your faith is lower? Yeah, right? yeah. And that's why when you see even the Apostle Paul, he says, my faith will help you and your faith will help me. That's incredible. Yeah, because, I mean, that's why, you know, you may have a season in your life where all of a sudden it's like things are just crashing down. It's easy to have faith when things are going well or when you see it happening, but also when the very things that were initially sustaining you are now seeming to be crumbling underneath you. Yeah. All of a sudden, now it's just like you feel lost, and also you're just like, where do I go from here, like, right now? Like, what do I do? What do I think? Because I'm hearing all these different voices in my head, and I don't know which one to believe. I don't know which one to take hold of. Yeah. Because it's all like, it's a war within myself. It's a war within my own mind. Yeah. So, but anyways, so now, after Mary remained seated in the house, house, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. <laughs> and so you see, you see Martha's personality coming out like she did the first time. Like she was blunt. You may not always, you know, it may not be my personality type. I'm like very not aggressive in that way. I like really struggle to get certain things out of that way. But you got to give Martha credit though when she was frustrated and that own aspect, she really stepped out of faith to even do that. Because so often, we tend to think that we should never speak to God about our problems and about the things that we're facing and the pain that we're feeling. But honestly, I truly believe this. I believe that God would rather have you yell at him than run away from him. Yeah. Well, so she, often, what she's doing right, is she's acknowledging his power. Exactly. She's acknowledging exactly who he is. Yes. And yeah, respecting, and respecting by calling him Lord. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. She's like, I know who you are. I know who you claim to be. So why weren't you here? So why weren't me? you here? Yeah. yeah. She's like, You were here when I cooked, but you weren't here when I cried. Jesus. And <laughs> all of a sudden, like, you see this really this deep struggle and anguish within her to all of a sudden say, 
why were you not here? But this is where now we go back to verse 22 where I said, where all of a sudden she said, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Hmm. And all of a sudden Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. It's like, thank you, Jesus. Like, that's good to know now. And all of a sudden Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he will live forever. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? And she said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. So now all of a sudden, so, got, so Martha met him pretty much like at a gate or something. You notice this time she didn't bring him into the house like she did the first time. She met him out because she's just like, man, I got some words to say now. Yeah, she lost her hospitality. She lost her hospitality. She's like, God, you may have, uh, Jesus, you may enjoy that guacamole I made with the nice pita bread <laughs> and fruit punch. Time. But this time, it's not happening. <laughs> so, now after she had said all this about the juice and for <laughs> bunch, so when she had said all this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Isn't it like so nice that like, you know, like, sometimes we, like, allow ourselves to get in the way of our own miracle because, you know, we may be waiting for Jesus to direct, to directly come to us. Jesus is always calling you, but yet, whether it's audibly or through other people in this situation, he's like, hey, it's like, Martha, go get Mary. Mm. Tell her I'm waiting for her right here, right now. She doesn't need to wait any longer. Come to me. Come to me. And so when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. She says, like, seek me and you will find me. And then now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. So when the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and got, go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. But now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And isn't the night, like, isn't it interesting, like, how you just totally see their personalities? It's like, originally, she was one that was at Jesus' feet, just listening to him, but now she's at his feet, crying to him. It's like a different, um, different way to talk to God, right? We all have our different ways to talk to God. Yes, exactly. Well, because like, like a lot of times, like you know, it's like we try to almost like suppress our emotions, almost yeah. like stuff like they're non-existent. But really, the truth is, is that whether it's our disappointments or our fears or our doubts, like the moment you start suppressing things, just like anger, what eventually all goes in will eventually come out. And so, oftentimes, when we see someone else, and we're just like, "Where did that come from?" Oftentimes, Two years ago, yeah, <laughs> it's like exactly. It's like it doesn't necessarily. It's like rarely is that something that was just automatic. Yeah. Is something that was probably gradual, something that you were already struggling with that you just simply did not ever discuss because you maybe were trying to wrestle with it genuinely, 
But when you wrestle with something without other people surrounding you in the right way, that people that you can trust, and without taking it to God, what comes in will eventually come out. Because oftentimes, the place where something shows up is not the place where it started. I like saying it like this, you know, like me being on facilities right now at uh, Christ Fellowship. You know, a lot of times when we see like back rows of chairs messed up a lot, oftentimes it's because the first or second row was not done properly. And so that's kind of like an interesting thing is that that's why a lot of times I'm always like the first or second row always take the longest of any other rows because it's like if you mess up that first row, all the ones in the back are messed up. So when I look at it from the back, I could probably assume what's like a reasonable like argument that there's probably something wrong with the front mm-hmm. because that's where it started was the front. You don't so, handle the, the front well. Yeah. The back. Or the back will not be comes out. Yes. Exactly. So now all of a sudden let's see. Let me get back to my where's my verse. See. Oh yes. So so now where Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him when she fell at his feet. Oh, I already said that one. Just kidding. Okay. Take two on that. So. Okay. says, so, so when Jesus saw Mary weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And now, isn't it nice though to know that let me mark that so I don't lose track of it. Let's see. But isn't it nice to know, though, that Jesus will also cry with you in your suffering? I was just thinking that. Like, it's so nice to see he was deeply moved and troubled. Like, Jesus was, yeah. like, his emotions were His like, emotions oh were there. Gosh, yeah. It's like he's actually feeling it in this moment. Mm. Now, I know for some people listening, and I understand it, so let me speak to this, because I feel like sometimes we think that if we speak it, that a lot of times it's louder than our internal thoughts. But here's saying God who created the heavens and the earth, who is outside of time, who knows the end from the beginning. Like it's, we almost feel like if we express it, that somehow another Jesus is not going to love us as much. But really is that cause a lot of times, you know, you may be like, well, Jesus, if you were simply here, I would have not have had to have cried. I would have not have had to have been in this situation. Mm. I would have not had to have been in this mess. If you would have come beforehand, why are you waiting until now? And God is just like, you know, I'm a big boy. I can handle this. I know for a lot of times, you know, we tend to feel as if though, if we speak it, it must be louder. But honestly, whether we speak it or keep it internalized, it's just as loud. It's more or less just about where you're placing it and who you're giving it to. Because that's one thing when I, when I become like a pastor by, you know, vocation of title or whatever, I want to make sure that I can help people to understand. Like I want to say things that people are already internalizing anyways, mm. but are unable, are unwilling to say it because they feel like if they do, guys, it's going to like strike them dead or something. But yeah. it's like Joker, he already knows what you're thinking anyway, so you yeah, might yeah, as well yeah, express yeah. it. Yeah, it's is this like, a level of a uh, authentic confession? Or th- repentance? Yes, exactly. I like that. Authentic confession. Yeah, that could be a sermon. Be like here I am. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. here I am. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's like don't just withhold something. If you're the best kind of prayer that you can pray is the most honest prayer yeah. that you can pray. Yeah. What they were both doing, you know, like people may try to argue it theologically. It's like, oh, I, I wonder if like they really, if they had time to go over again, would they have said that? I'm like, you know what? I'm like, if that was what they were actually internally feeling, which I'm pretty sure almost anyone would in that moment anyways, yes, that was probably the best response that they could have given. And guess what? Even if it wasn't, Jesus still met them both 
why murder Ad. He met Martha at the gate when she came, and he asked for Martha Mary when then she ran to him. Yeah, it's good. So what was Jesus' response to uh, them saying that? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So now, well, now we're gonna find out what's Mary. So after Jesus was greatly troubled in the spirit, he says, "Where have you laid him?" And they said to him, "Lord, come and see." And so Jesus wept. And now the Jews said, see how he loved him? So some are like acknowledging, man, like this dude, like this guy named Jesus here that claims to be the son of God, he seems to genuinely care about this man and these people. (laughs) Excuse me. But all of a sudden, though, then you see some others saying, well, could not he have opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? So isn't it interesting how, like, sometimes it's almost like with uh, the Apostle Paul when he was shipwrecked or whatever, you know, initially he got bit by the snake, and then she were like, oh my gosh, this must be someone of the devil or something, you know, like, this is like some murderer, and then all of a sudden, he he didn't get killed by the snake, and then all of a sudden he said he must be a god. So also it's like, you always have people changing their opinions, changing their minds, so that's where you should never try to live according to people's expectations, because the moment you try to live according to what everyone else thinks... You'll end up missing out on your purpose. You'll end up getting frustrated. So, but and it's 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 impossible. It is, yeah. It's, it's impossible. Is impossible. Yeah. impossible. You can't. There's no reason. Yeah. Because they're looking at it from two different perspectives. They're like, yeah. okay, he's weeping. It's like, well, that is so great, isn't it? That you're weeping with him. Why didn't you just simply heal him beforehand? And you wouldn't have had to wept either. It's like this seems a little backwards thinking. Uh-huh. But oftentimes, <laughs> better will feel backwards. Hmm. Oftentimes, progress. Sometimes the deepest progress comes through your deepest pain, if you allow it to. So, but sometimes people just end up living in their pain and not actually ever reaching out their purpose. So, because of lack of perspective. Lack of perspective, yes. And like for a variety of reasons, whether it be like your insecurity or fear or something that's just holding you back on mm-hmm. the inside from actually fulfilling that and like going forward in that. But now all of a sudden, you see in verse 38 of chapter 11, says, then Jesus deeply moved again, came to the tomb, and it was a cave, and the stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. And then all of a sudden, it's kind of interesting how Jesus was saying pretty much like, guys, I'm not sure if you understand me because the disciples clearly did not understand me when I said Lazarus had actually died. You all thought Mary said he was asleep. It's not what I said, y'all. But all of a sudden now he's saying, hey, move this stone out of the way. It's like, Jesus, you're not making much sense right now. Like, if you could actually heal Lazarus from the dead, why are you now asking me to move a stone? Mm. I think moving a stone would be much easier than raising a dead man to life. But all of a sudden, you know, in this story, it's kind of interesting is that this is their faith. This is like their mustache of faith because all of a sudden Jesus is basically saying to them, did I not say I would do it if you believe? So you're saying... I want you to demonstrate your faith, even it may be very little, and I'm asking you to simply move that stone away and let me do what I can do, because obedience is your responsibility, outcome is God's. So whether it's a stone in your life or a wall that needs to be torn down, it's like, what is your Lazarus? Because all of a sudden, now we're almost done. So, all of a sudden in verse 40, when Martha is initially questioning, 
why would you want to open this? There's going to be an odor. <laughs> it's going to be a really bad one. It's been a while. Oh, I'm not sure if you forgot. Yeah, yeah. At this point, okay. Yeah, yeah. So all of a sudden you're just like, I'm like Jesus, I'm glad you care now. <laughs> I guess because <laughs> now you're you're here afterwards. It's going to be a bad odor. Um, but all of a sudden, and Jesus said to her, "Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God?" Mm. So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, "Father." I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. And so, you know, whatever that stone is that you need to roll or that wall that needs to be torn down, you know, it may not necessarily be a physical death like Lazarus. Maybe it's a relational death. Maybe it's an emotional death. You know, whatever that is, is that go to the one who can provide a way against anything else. Because God is the one who makes the impossible possible because that's when the supernatural comes into play. This is about me saying, you know, I have a Lazarus right now and this is difficult. I'm disappointed, but yet I'm going to take my my dreams to my father mm. who provides everything that I need and he says as I love him good things will come about that doesn't mean I'll always understand why he does things but I know the who because mm. yeah. he is the way maker that even when I can't see it like they initially did even when I can't feel it God is still working and God is still good for us, you know. And so our job is obedience. Yeah. And the start of that is just having the faith and being honest. Yeah. Being honest. The way maker, the way through the storm. This one I'm definitely going to need to soak in. So I pose the question to you. What is a Lazarus in your life right now? What part of your life needs to die so it can rise from the ashes? Such a powerful and healing message, Samuel. Thank you. If you like this episode, you're not going to want to miss next week. Go ahead and hit subscribe, and I'll send it over to you. That's it for now. Thanks for listening to Convos with God. Remember to stay calm, have faith, listen to God's word, and the rest will fall into place.